It ain't that simple, mate. Hello and welcome to It Ain't That Simple, Mate, the Bright Hope World podcast, where we look at poverty and missions and everything related to those subjects. My name is Fraser Scott, I'm the Executive Director of Bright Hope World, and normally I have beside me uh, Kevin Honoré, our new Partnerships Facilitator, but today we have a very special guest from the Bright Hope World team. We have Emma Stokes here. She is the Bright Hope World Partnership Facilitator for, well, let's say Southeast Asia with her husband, uh, Mark, but you have a particular heart for Laos, is that right, Emma? Oh, I certainly do. And look, thank you for being here with us. We've got a really interesting uh, subject to talk about today, and that is short-term mission trips. Now, this is something that we in Bright Hope World get involved in a little bit. It's not a core part of what we do, but uh, we do do mission trips uh, now and again. And today, uh, I'm going to introduce Emma and, and have her talk a little bit about who she is, but this is a subject that uh, we have both talked about uh, many times before, over many cups of coffee, and figured out how to do them, how to do them well. And we thought we would tease some of that subject uh, out uh, here today on It Ain't That Simple Mate. So Emma, let's start. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about who you are and your, your background. Help us to know the real you. All right. Well, um, I live in the absolutely pristinely beautiful Bay of Plenty with my husband, Mark, and our two fabulous boys. And we're part of the um, church um, Fano at Life Zone, which is a great place to be. And I've been involved in mission stuff for a while in various different capacities, do some teaching and lecturing and preaching and stuff. And at the moment, I am plugging away at a PhD at Otago University um, in theology, hoping that eventually I'll get to the end of it. Right, and you're you're, you're looking at the Samaritans, right? The Samaritan people, and I'm yeah. showing my ignorance here, and, and the things that the Samaritans did and do? Oh, yeah, and specifically looking at them in the Gospel of Luke. So, yeah, it's a really exciting project. And when, it, when it's finished, how long a, 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 a book will this be? Oh, way too many words for most people, probably other than my supervisor and the poor other people who have to read it. But about 100,000 words. Yeah. About 100,000. Well, I, I will read it, and maybe we'll do a podcast about I'm it. I'm so and holding you to about that. The Samaritans. Oh, oh, yeah. No that problem. I, I think it sounds fascinating. Okay, so th- that's who you are in a nutshell. But let's drill down a little bit. Why short-term mission trips? What, what's your specific background and interest in this topic out of so many other things that we could talk about. Well, I got really interested in short-term mission when I was developing um, Headspace for GC3 back in 2006. And GC3 is? um, Global Connections and Mission. Um, The Brethren, or should I say CCCNZ, Network of Churches Mission Organization, yeah. Um, And so Headspace was a a missional discipleship program that was run across a a year for school leavers. And as part of it, there was a a 10-week we didn't call it a mission trip. We called it a cross-cultural exposure trip. Wow, um, that we, I, I like that. Yeah, it's it's a good name. Uh, that we generally did in in Thailand by invitation um, from various churches and ministries based there. So I led teams um, there for a number of years and did quite a bit of thinking about how to do that and how to do it in a way that really nurtured and grew people. Over that time, I also ran into a bunch of people who were also leading teams or we met teams while we were there. We spent a lot of time with missionaries and kind of got the flip side too of what it's like to have teams come and visit you 
which was quite interesting. Right. So you, you've sort of been on both ends a little bit of yeah, experience. Yeah, heard some good stories and some not so good stories about that. Um, and then I yeah, started really thinking about um, the fact that we just start with this assumption that short-term mission is a great thing to do. And the more I kind of experienced it and talked to people, the more I realized, yeah, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Which is a, you know, it's a good point to, to make because anyone that's, that's listened to the Bright Hope World podcast so far will know we have a critical eye on things uh, in mission and uh, not to shock anyone, but if the subject is coming up, it's because we have something to say about it and we might, <laughs> we might rattle the cage a little bit. But uh, if you have been on a short-term mission trip, you've led them, you're going on them, take this opportunity to, to maybe just think a little bit more broadly. And, and that's really kind of what we're going to uh, ask some questions about is, uh, is, is the short-term mission trip a universal absolute good that we should just all run into and, good, and, and do? Or is this something we might want to just take a moment and, and think about? And this is the perfect opportunity to take a moment and think about it, Fraser, because we can't go anywhere at the moment. <laughs> We're stuck here at home. So, like, this is a perfect God pause. It's a, it's a fair point. There's something ironic about choosing now. Uh, it is it is late January in 2021. We are actually up in Sunny Nelson on a Bright Hope World retreat loving Fantastic. it and yeah. we've all been talking as a team about the fact that we ain't going nowhere quickly so de- depending on when you are listening to this uh, we might be all traveling again but you know let's it could be so. 10 years from now we no! might still be thinking about it who knows <laughs> okay so let's let's start at the start Emma, and let, let's set the scene let's lay the foundation a little bit what what are short-term mission trips typically about and i'm going to i'm going to use the term short-term mission trips to encompass a lot of things. Some people may choose not to use that phraseology because they're trying to achieve something else. They might call it a vision trip or something like that. But let's just not get caught on the semantics. What do you see? What are they designed to achieve? Why are they being done? What typically within your average church group in New Zealand, why are they doing short-term mission trips in your experience? Well, that's a really good question. And I think as you've just pointed out, there's such a huge range of things that the church does that we call mission trips, um, that there's no one standard thing, and I certainly don't claim to be speaking for all churches. But what some of the things I've observed would be that rather than short-term mission being something that grows organically out of, say, a long-term partnership, you see... um, someone is like really amped about missions in the church and they go and tell a pastor, look, I've got this friend in Timbuktu and we could send a team there or... Just just a side note, do we know where Timbuktu is? I want to say it's in like Morocco or something like that. That's a really good question. I'm going to have to Google that. Yeah, we'll just edit that in with an answer. Okay. Please continue. That sounds good. Um, Okay, so perhaps I should have been more specific about <laughs> location. No, no, not really. That was an unhelpful interjection. Please, please continue. So the general idea is someone within the church, um, or perhaps the youth pastor decides they want to take the youth group or something like that, but it tends to be um, an individual or a small group within the church body and, and not something that's being thought about across a broader mission strategy. And then the the idea seems to be that it's a great way of um, getting people interested in mission or raising the temperature of mission in the church. Um, Or there's this desire to want to help people, want to get out there and bless people. Um, And so there's heaps of effort that goes into 
letting the church know that this trip's going to happen and that they need to raise funds to go, but maybe not a huge amount of time and thought put into um, preparing people really well, putting together a good team and thinking carefully about what they want to achieve, both for those going and at the other end. Right, so I, I have been in more than one church where, uh, you know, attending as a, as a person that attends the church or as a, as a guest or as a, just a visitor, and I've heard people talk about mission trips and say, hey, we're doing a mission trip to Fiji or wherever. Who wants to come? Is that the right approach? That is such a good question, Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> is, is it, but is that typically, is it kind of an open thing or do you see churches very specifically and deliberately developing the right people to come on a trip? What, what do you see? I would see typically it's the first case. So it's, uh, we're doing this trip and put your hand up, who wants to come? Um, and it's like, it's a great idea in theory that you're being inclusive and you're throwing out a, a great opportunity. Um, but I'm not sure that's the best way of going about it. Right. So when a, when a church decides that it's going to do a short-term mission trip, what do you see as maybe the top two or three reasons? Why are they doing it? The main reasons that churches want to do mission trips is they want to grow their people. They want to see their people um, get excited about what God's doing and they want them to participate. Um, and, and because they, they want to be involved outside of the church walls, they want to, they want to be engaged. Um, and so they, they see mission as a great way of getting out there and being involved in the Great Commission and, and taking their people on making, a journey. Making a difference. Making a difference, yeah. And do you think uh, typically churches are spending a lot of time sort of developing that thinking and, and training people up and educating them, reading all the books and all that sort of thing before they go? Is that typically what you would see? I don't know if I want to answer that, Fraser. Right, all right. We'll, we'll, we'll take that maybe as a not, not always. Perhaps not always. Perhaps not always. Perhaps not always. Okay, and and how much of the orientation do you think is around what is best for the people at the other end we're gonna that we're gonna serve? Do you think that is the sort of prominent guiding factor in figuring out whether to do a short term mission trip and whether the way that we're doing it is the best thing? Man, I I wish that was where people started. Right. It would be so great if churches really caught on to the idea of starting with what the impact was going to be on the people they went to and really thinking that through carefully just about what they're doing and and really getting clear why they're doing it and and I think unfortunately the motivation is is often very much coming from within the church and about what the church wants to do rather than about ultimately how it's going to affect those they go to. So I, I want to just pull back for a second and um, you know reflect on the fact that short-term mission trips are very common, right? A lot of churches are doing them. And you know one of the you know more modern inventions, and perhaps it is, well, actually it's probably not terribly modern, but one of the things that we see more of is this idea of we're going to go and, and we're going to serve in a very practical way. And I think most often that is we're going to build something. We're going to build houses. We're going to build school classrooms. We're going to do something practical. And, and dare I say, you know, it, it, it's probably guys thinking, look, I don't want to just sit around and talk and I might not necessarily want to share my faith, but I can swing a hammer. 
and um, right. you know I can do something practical. Uh, where do you think that's come from? Like, wh- you know, what what do you see as behind that movement that we've seen more and more of that uh, appear? Why is that? Why why do it in that way? I think people really want to get their hands on. They don't want to go and see or sit or learn or you know they want they want to get their hands dirty they want to feel like they've really done something I mean the desire there is so good it's it's this it's this real desire to make a tangible difference and to share skills and and resources maybe with with groups of people who who've got very little so I think the the motivation is um is good um I'm not sure about the results. And we'll, we'll come back and talk about uh, the results, um, I, you know, I guess, and, and what we see in some of the challenges with that model. But I want to read some stats because I, I did a little bit of research. Oh, dear. Because I know you're a researcher and <laughs> I, I knew you would have, um, you know, some, some hardline facts as to and rather than my just raw opinion and conjecture. So I did some reading and found some things about short-term mission trips and, and research people have done, Fabulous. which is, is fantastic, by the way. There's some great papers and things that you can read. Uh, now, y- y- I must admit that these are, a lot of the stuff and a lot of the research is American-based, but uh, arguably this this would apply here as well. But in a uh, US context, more than uh, 1.6 million adults and young people from the United States travel abroad yearly on short-term mission trips. That's a big number. Wow, that's huge. Uh, an estimated $2 billion is spent annually on such trips, right? And and obviously the, the question that you've got to put in brackets at the end of that is, and how much benefit does that deliver to the people at the other end? We'll come back and talk about that. Uh, and then a... A third thing, and I think again, this is this is tough. Research on short-term mission trips has shown three things to be generally true about them. In general, they don't change participants' lives, they don't cause more people to commit to long-term missions, and they often harm both local economies and uh, where that's the focus, orphans. Now that's that's a problem. There's some stuff in there that is difficult, and and particularly if if any of that is is accurate, that the things that we think we're doing, maybe we're not doing, that if we think we're going to do real long-lasting good, and we're not, that's a problem. If we think we're using funds wisely, and this is the best thing that we can do, and we're not, uh, that's a problem. And if we think we're we're doing... um, you know, generally good things, but we're actually causing harm. That's a real problem. So let's let's explore this f- for a wee bit. What is the problem with how we do short-term mission trips? What do you see? What What is going wrong that we're not getting the results that we're wanting here? Yeah, I mean, that's such a huge question. And I think the, the problem's multifaceted. And it, it's got to do with the whole narrative um, that we've built around short-term mission and and what it is and what it does and um, both for those that are going and for those that are at the other end of it so let's start with we usually start with the people who go why are we actually going what is what is it really about when we decide we're going to take a bunch of people from our church and go somewhere a long way away 
for a very short period of time. You know, what are we actually hoping to achieve? Who's it for? So one of the big reasons that I hear is that churches want to grow their people. They want them to experience this trip and for it to change their lives. But as you've just said, and as the research shows, I mean, Verbeek did this massive kind of overview of all the research that's been done on short-term mission around the impact it has on the lives of those who go. And the results were so disappointing on so many levels because, as you said, there was just there's no significant change that lasts. Here's the problem, and here's the problem. If you raise this topic in, you know, the short, uh, the, the Bright Hope World team, here's the problem you're going to get. Rob Perdue, our chairman, is involved in missions because of a short-term mission trip. I am involved in missions because of a short-term mission trip. What do you say to that? There's, you know, that, hang on, you know, objection, Your Honour. <laughs> it, 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 it worked for us. Yeah, and I'd say um, I've probably going to put myself in that category yeah. as well. So I think, like, while obviously, Fraser, you and I like to pull things apart and say, how can we do them better? Um, I don't think we have to say that um, short-term mission trips are evil, although, you know, sometimes... They like, don't have very good effects. <laughs> Sometimes they can be. <laughs> but I mean, there's definitely, in a small case, um, done well, ways in which short-term mission can be effective in growing people and orientating them towards mission. The problem is, and you just pointed it out by reading out those statistics, right? Yeah. Is there are, how many do you say? The hundreds of thousands of people? Millions of dollars. Actually, it's, it's millions of people and billions okay, of dollars. Thank you. Yeah, it's, Millions of yeah. people, billions of dollars. What is the result? How many of those people that are going are having such a significant life change that they utterly reorientate their lives around God's purposes and, you know, totally change what they're doing because of it? The number is tiny. And, and I guess let's look at the contextual factors for all three of us, it's Rob, do myself, and, and you. I'm guessing that the short-term mission trip you went on was not the first involvement you had in mission. I'm guessing you probably had a fair background in missions. I'm guessing you probably got some pretty good training and you, you, knew, you knew what you were doing, had a very clear idea of where you were going, and then when you came back, were plugged into more activity around missions. Would, would most of that be correct? Yeah, absolutely. Me too, and yeah. Rob too. So yeah. uh, is, that, is that part of you know, the problem is these factors may not always be there in the way that we do short-term mission trips. Yeah, absolutely. And that whole kind of line of um, being engaged in your local context context before you go, doing some really good cross-cultural training and understanding where you're going and the context that you're going into, um, sort of digging into some of those cultural factors. So having that understanding when you go, processing while you are there, I mean, we're going to talk about more of this, but listening and watching and learning instead of jumping in um, and, and then debriefing and carrying on those conversations when you come home and continuing to challenge yourself about the things that God really brought into focus while you were there with a group of people. Um, all those things are shown to be effective in helping people uh, continue on that journey. Verbeek talks about people coming back from mission as being like a, a young sapling. So they can be growing from there in a direction um, that takes them deep into missional engagement and, and they become a strong, you know, big um, tree, so to speak, uh, someone who who's really reorientated their life. But 
they can just as easily be diverted. So we want to give people the best chance and, and get them well prepared. So I'm guessing the whole thing, who wants to come, anyone can come and just as long as you raise the money. This is not this is not a great idea, is it? I mean, you're really wanting this to be, dare I say, like the mid part of a process, that there's a whole process beforehand and there's a whole process afterwards. And, you know, we're taking our best people and doing this, not just anyone who can throw the funds together. We want the best people that, you know, are going to help meet the objectives of the trip in the first place. And then we want to be very clear about, and when they come back, this is what happens next. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you want it to be part of a bigger process. And, you know, I, I guess as well, you know, I've taken some short-term mission trips. You've taken some short-term mission trips. I bet, uh, and we haven't discussed this beforehand, but I bet if I sort of said, had some difficult people on your trips, you go, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I've had some difficult people. And and part of that is, is character as well. I mean, you know, that my view personally, and, and apologies to those of you who are listening in other countries, but I happen to think New Zealanders are really good on the mission field because as, you know, perhaps it's our sort of cultural insecurity, but we don't walk into a room thinking we know everything. We don't tend to think whether, you know, the, the smartest people in, in the world or have the most to offer. So there is a, a sort of a natural humility, humility at, yeah. at some level that, you know, life is absolutely critical. And the people that you take that are really problematic don't have that humility. So I guess, you know, that, that's a problem as well. If you're just taking um, a, a bunch of people and you're turning them loose with people of another culture, they're not terribly sensitive. They, they think they're, they're pretty great and they're busy, you know, snapping shots for their Facebook feed. That's a problem, you know, and, and, and that can cause real issues locally, can it? It can, and it's, it's not even that, that people make massive faux pas. It's, it can be really simple things. Like I, I remember a, a young lady um, just popping off in some free time that we had, and, and I'll just be really hazy on specifics here, but with a particular team, um, who popped off to have her hair done. Um, you know, hair cut and colour, uh, and came back and, and was much admired by our, our friends that we were, were serving alongside, um, who then asked her, how much did it cost to get your hair done? And she was like, oh, it was so cheap, it was amazing, and, you know, quoted an amount of money that in New Zealand, given how much you can pay for that sort of thing, probably was quite cheap, but would have been probably more money than they would see in a year. And the impact that that actually had on our relationship there and just you could see the change in people's expressions as they kind of tried to get their head around how much wealth we had come with compared to what we were doing and what they had. It just really changed things. Um, Yeah, and look, let's let's be honest about it. I mean, I, I think it's easy to think that the, the people that we're going to visit don't figure those things out. But they're not, they're not idiots. And <laughs> if, if 10 are. of you arrive, let's say in Africa from New Zealand, then those people are going to know these people spent 50 grand to get here, at least, maybe, maybe 70, maybe 80 grand. Can we hand on heart, if, if, if we're a church group and there's 10 of us going and it's 70 or 80 grand, can we hand on heart say, and this is the best impact that we can make with 70 or 80 grand in that community i think you know the answer to that Fraser. i mean that, that's that's a tough call isn't it because yep. you know we 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 like to think it's not all about money and it's not all about money because you know relationship encouragement and prayer and all that sort of thing for those people are 
it's incredibly important as well but do we not at least need to ask some really hard questions and and make sure that you know before god we're really comfortable to spend this kind of money on a short-term mission trip yeah because even what signal does that send even at the start of that relationship as that team lands and as you say people are not ignorant with with the amount of resource it's taken to get them there and I think that was one of the things I found really confronting on reading some really interesting research um, about the impact of people coming and doing building in Honduras um, interviewing stakeholders afterwards and, and asking you know would you have wanted the teams to come and build these houses or would you have preferred them just to have provided uh, the funds to be able to build them yourselves. And hands down, I mean, there was like one group out of hundreds that would have welcomed the teams because of all the challenges and other issues that that brought. And they would have rather have built them themselves. But the only way they could get those houses built in those communities without resources was to welcome the teams. So the, the accepting the team is the price that local community has Absolutely. to pay to get support and interest from yeah. the church. And there's just something that's so yeah. how, how are we feeling about that? and confronting yeah. about that. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and look, not not to mention, and, and this is something that Bright Heart World has touched on a little bit uh, in the past, where people have gone to, to build things. And, and you've got to say, could anyone in that local community build that thing? Uh, are, are there... You know, in, in what are often low-wage, low-employment economies, is there anyone in that local economy that we could ask to build that thing, that we could pay to build that thing? Absolutely. Because then we're blessing that economy twice. You know, is, is that maybe a, a better call? Uh, is is that maybe a better way to go? Is to say, well, we'll fund that thing. We don't have to send people. Maybe maybe we'll send people at a different time for a different reason. But boy, that's that's a really inefficient way to get a thing built, isn't it? It is. It is when you start adding up the costs. And worse than that, it's like when you have a team that's coming to build, there's often a lot of ownership of that project that sits with the people who come. You know, they've fundraised for a particular project for the for their church and told them what they're doing. And so the emphasis really is on what they are coming to do and build. And the community themselves or the whoever it is that they're doing the building for may actually have done something quite different had they had the opportunity to do it themselves. I'll give you a really bad example of that again. Oh no, no names. Um, there once was a team <laughs> who built um, rabbit hutches in... Um, a country. A country, thank you. In our country <laughs> somewhere um, to start a rabbit project that was the idea not of the local people. Uh, and so a significant amount of uh, time and money and effort went into getting a team there, um, building the rabbit hutches, getting these rabbits um, who all died because it was a really hot country and it wasn't good for rabbits. <laughs> I've seen these hutches. Probably not, not the best use of time and money, that one. No, and, and you know, I, I guess that's, you, we're going to take a break for, for uh, in just a moment, but I guess one of the challenges with short-term mission trips is they are so often directed almost entirely from this end, and, you know, the others at that end are just told, we're coming, and here's what we're going to do, and here's what we want you to organise for us and host us and all the rest of it. That's, that's not a great basis to, to do it either, is it? No, and, and I think one of the things that I think is even more problematic than what we've talked about so far is the fact that then the expectations and the false impressions that the team ends up having of their own work and of what they've done 
is is also not helpful, not accurate, because we we don't set people up well to see that we live in this world of systemic injustice and that poverty is a really complex issue. And so when people go without a deeper understanding of what's really going on and, and of what the issues and challenges actually are, and they genuinely, passionately care and want to help, but they're not. Let's, let's pause there for a minute. Let's, let's take a little break and we're going to come back and, and explore this a little bit more deeply. And, and I just, I, I do want to say as well that, you know, there will be people listening that have been on these short-term mission trips or planning them or whatever, and you'll be taking some offence and objection to what we're saying here. And we're going to we're gonna band, balance it out a little bit after the break, but we do um, really encourage you, podcastatbrightworld.com uh, or on Facebook, if you disagree with what we're saying, then, then push back. Uh, we do want to try and be balanced, but, um, you know, fair to say we've, we've seen this done uh, badly uh, a lot. So you'll forgive us for how the strength of our views on this. It's, it's a real problem. Uh, we're going to explore it a little bit uh, more after a break on It Ain't That Simple, mate, the Bright Hope World podcast. It Ain't That Simple, mate, is brought to you by Lamai Coffee. Lamai Coffee is the finest quality organic Arabica coffee from the northern hills of Thailand. We at Bright Hope World import the green beans into New Zealand and we roast them to perfection, then sell them to discerning coffee drinkers. We're all volunteers on the team, so all the profits go back into great community projects in Thailand, and that is why we call it the world's best tasting act of kindness. You can order Lamai Coffee or find out more at lamai.co.nz. It ain't that simple, mate. Welcome back to It Ain't That Simple, mate, the Bright Hope World podcast, where we are talking today, uh, we've got uh, Emma Stokes here with us, we're talking about short-term mission trips, and it'd be fair to say we've hit them pretty hard so far. And we've been pretty mean, haven't we've been we? A little I'm bit, feeling a bit bad. A little bit mean, and um, you know, look, perhaps we have good reason to do that. We, we have had a little bit of experience with short-term mission trips, and... Uh, frankly, they're they're often not done well. Be fair to say they're often uh, not always done for the right reasons, with the right people, um, with the right kind of thinking. And um, so, yeah, we we do we we wag the finger a little bit at short term mission trips, but um, that's not always the case. And so we we want to balance it out a little bit. We want to be fair and reasonable. So let's take another tack here, Emma. Let's let's look at the other side of the ledger, and think about you know, short-term mission trips are popular, and they're not popular because people just want to necessarily go see these places, or you know that that people are just not thinking at all. I mean, the, the, some things are achieved with short-term mission trips. There are some good reasons to do them. What are they? What what are the benefits of doing? short-term mission trips, regardless of how one does them. Like, why have short-term mission trips potentially as part of a church missions program? Well, it's a great way of engaging young people and just raising their, their temperature and their awareness of, of mission. I mean, when we look out there at um, who's praying, um, faithfully praying for missions work around the world, it's a, 
an older group of people. Right. So the, the, the us missions folks, we're, we're getting grey hair. We are getting grey hair. So we, we want to sort of impel. We want to we want to grab the young people and take them in and say, this is the reality of missions. This is the stuff that you need to be committed to, praying about, you know, when you've got grey hair. <laughs> and beforehand. And beforehand. And, I mean, they're passionate often um, about, justice issues and so having the opportunity to actually get outside of New Zealand and experience um, some quite different spaces and places can really open their eyes to issues they weren't aware of before and and get them sort of switched on to the to the difference that the gospel makes um, in places so I think that that's one of the the really great benefits as much as we've sort of slagged off what mission trips don't do um, done well and they, they can really be effective. To be fair, I mean, uh, you know, a, long, a lot of young people would have otherwise jumped on a plane, gone to Bali, gone to Europe or, or whatever, and, and kind of, you know, worked their way around pubs and, and all the rest of it. I mean, as opposed to that, you know, for young people to say, look, I, I'm committed to missions. I want to go. I want to see. And then I want to take that back and tell those stories to my church and, and be an advocate for missions in the church. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a pretty good thing. It is a good thing, and I, and it's one of the greatest joys of my life at this point to look back and see countless young adults who've now got families of their own um, who went through Headspace, whose lives were radically transformed, who have remained committed to missions and engaged through their churches, who've served and who are serving long-term um, in specific places around the world. It, it's yeah I mean that, it, that's just amazing yeah and when you're able to journey with people in that really formative part of their life and set them on this track where they they don't get caught up in all the stuff we're so often caught up in, in our consumerist you know individualistic lives um, that's a powerful thing that's that's a whole next generation of people who are committed yeah and I guess as, as well in that you know, when you take people uh, with a team, you are exposing them to things that they're not going to experience otherwise. So exposing them to, you know, maybe a community that is grappling with poverty, maybe a community that does not have a Judeo-Christian background, so they see the reality of that. And, you know, all of the realities, the sights, the smells, the sounds of, of these places... Uh, but also, you know, when you've been on a mission trip and you've served side by side in difficult circumstances with another group of people, it, it's almost like you're chasing the dragon. You know, that sense of community and mission is something that, you know, kind of gets in your blood. And you, you think this is what it's meant to be like. This is New Testament stuff. And I want to go home and I want to replicate that. I want to serve with my brothers brothers and sisters in Christ back in Christchurch or Tarot or wherever. Yeah. That's a good thing for a young person to be infected with, yeah? Absolutely. I mean, that so much more than the, I've got to get a good paying job in a yeah. house. In a, yeah, I mean, I've, I've just loved seeing our teams be debriefed and just being broken, you know, by what they've seen and experienced and, and not leaving it there, but actually then going and living differently because of it. And, you know, just one really quick example. Um, often our teams come home and, and see all the clothes they've got in their wardrobe and they just can't get their head around why they've got so much stuff. 
and we won't even get into all the waste in the fashion industry and environmental and all that kind of stuff, yeah. but um, really challenges them just to simplify and reprioritize um, because suddenly they, they can see for the first time how, how much unnecessary things we feel we need to acquire. And, it, and I guess that's the trick, isn't it? That done right, you flick a switch yeah. in a person's. And it's not just young people, but I think it's it's often you know, young people who are at that sort of, I don't know, 19, 20, 21 year age particularly, where they're starting to move from being a child to being an adult and responsibilities and setting up the framework for their life. Yeah. And all of a sudden you interrupt that and you go, hang on a second. Before you start thinking about, you know, your batch and your second car and your jet ski, here's another view. And that's why, you know, it can change the path of a person's life. That's you, that's me, that's Rob Perdue. So, I mean, that's a, that's a huge benefit to the person. It's a huge yeah. benefit to the church. It's, a, it's a, I mean, it's, it's of huge benefit. It's a, it's a good thing, isn't yeah, it? absolutely. Which makes you wonder then... Why are we being so hard on George <laughs> and 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 you know to to answer my own question, I guess it's all about how you do them, isn't it? Yeah. Let's and and let's move to that because you know I think we are being very fair and balanced, you and I, <laughs> and saying look, Always. there's some problems with what we're doing. This is a mathematical equation. There are some problems with what we're doing, but the potential of short-term mission trips is is really quite great if you do them well. So let's let's spend the remainder of our time and our, unpack that. What what do we need to do? How do we need to do short-term mission trips to make them good, to make them the least harmful, to make to, to deliver the, the most benefit back here, more importantly over there and, and to the people concerned. What do we need to do? Walk us through it. I think one of the things that makes this so hard is that Kiwis are just amazing people number eight wire kiwi ingenuity we just like to get stuck in right and do things and it's like we don't want to have to do a huge amount of research we we don't need all the stuff you know watch us go which is admirable and fantastic and works brilliantly in so many situations but not as it turns out in short-term mission so right. this is one of those times when actually um you need some input like this is, this is one of those few times when I'd say you, you need some professional input. Um, you need to be listening to people who've been there and done it and done it well. Um, so that could look like um, working through an organization. It could look like um, really schooling yourself up, reading some great books, talking to people. It doesn't look like just jumping in and running a trip as as step one, as we've already talked about. Okay, let, let, let's unpack that a little bit. Let, you, you mentioned organisations and you mentioned books. Let's talk about both. If uh, if I'm in a church and I'm thinking about doing a short-term mission trip, who, who are some of the organisations I need to talk to? This is not a bright word advertisement. <laughs> you can talk to us, but there are there are others. Like you know, who, who else is in this space? You might go with say IT teams. They they do really good. Um, training and debrief or you know go talk to GC3 I mean there'd be a number of people that that you could talk to Um, but the key thing is that you you want to to do due diligence you want to understand find find the right guys yeah if you're going with an organization you know what are their values how do they interact Um, how do they find partners or locations to send people and I think like that's the core issue right because we actually don't just 
want to run off and do short-term mission. We want to do it within the context of a longer term partnership or engagement Um, and and that's something that needs to be developed carefully over time and really you want to be waiting until your partners or your contacts are are actually saying this is this is something that we'd really appreciate input on from you guys rather than hey yeah we're coming we really want to come and see you you know book this date because we're coming and we're bringing 58 people you know so you're really looking for an organization that is taking its lead and direction from the people that you're trying to serve that you're trying to help absolutely where they have agency where they have some control over it you know where they're just not there to host a bunch of people that are just coming you know to visit that that really they're like we want you to come please come absolutely yeah okay yeah. what about the books what 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 are some uh books because i mean i guess you know what we want to get from an agency or or maybe you can you know search the internet is really good material on preparing your team some of that's going to be general. Some of it is going to be specific to the culture. And again, you need guidance on this. I mean, you know, I remember driving once across uh, northern Uganda, and there's something like 20, 25 distinct cultural groups with distinct languages. So even if you're going to Uganda to think you can figure out the culture in advance, you're nuts. It's not going to happen. So you need really good guidance from people who have been there, who know it who can help you to avoid causing offense and creating division and all the rest of it. Absolutely. So there's all that stuff that you got to get. But what are some good books, resources that people could read to kind of get them in, in the right mindset mm. before they even think about getting on a plane? Yeah, sure. So um, When Helping Hurts is, I think, a great um, place to start. It, it just shifts the whole framework for thinking about this kind of stuff um toxic charity would be another one it's specifically on on short-term mission and kind of the journey of the training preparation and then uh, debrief out the end is um, something called the next mile it's quite a small book um put out i think by it teams that will be worth checking out as well okay yeah so you, you're 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 doing some prep. That's what we're saying. It's really really important that you are prepared. You are trained. You are not. And I'll, look, I'll, I'll repeat this. You're not standing up the front and saying who wants to go. You are asking for trouble. So so let's move into that space. Who do you take? Who are you looking for? You know, is it is it just anyone that can throw the money together and and is, is willing to go? Uh, and and uh, and again, I'm I'm leading the witness here. You're on. <laughs> Um, you know, is that is that what we're doing? Is we're just sending anyone or do we owe it to the people at the other end to send our very best? I think you know the answer to that, yeah. Fraser. Yeah, <laughs> we, I think I do. We definitely want to send our best. Um, it's quite funny. What we need to do is is put ourselves in the shoes of, of being people who receive and just thinking like if a typical high school in New Zealand suddenly had a, a bunch of people turn up from another country who couldn't speak any English and who wanted to take classes and run camps or do random stuff like how keen would we be to let them in and just let them loose on a on a class full of 16 year olds who are supposed to be preparing for exam you know like we we just don't think through these things when we um often when we send teams so so you would expect as a minimum that the people had um made an effort to learn some of the language at least some basic greetings hello thank you how are you uh, had a, an understanding of the you know specific cultural norms what else what what do you you know it, well let me ask another question if i'm uh looking for people to go 
on a mission trip, am I asking them to fill out some kind of application? Like, am I really trying to vet people to that degree? Ooh. Well, that that would be a, um, a bold move, um, but I like it. Yeah, I, th- I think that we would be looking for people that have already demonstrated that they're engaged locally. They've already exhibited that they've got the right um, kind of heart and skills and um, character to journey with people, to listen, to learn. Right, so... Th- so- the people you're taking, this is not their first rodeo, right? This I, is, I don't this think is, so. This is not, these are people who are already known for missions commitment. Yeah. But what if we're not really engaged locally as a church in missions? Oh, so you're, um, okay. Is that a trick question? Not you're, really. You're definitely going to be engaged in your local community before you start going further afield, okay. don't, don't you think? I mean, that, right. that would be a, a pretty important first um First thing to have sorted right so you, you're you're getting your people to really engage locally in missions and then maybe you're extracting some key people in that before you're thinking about going and doing a short-term mission trip and you're training them up and yeah and and, yeah. and you're thinking about people who um, have influence or um, leaders who can come back and um, kind of really bring the rest of the church along on a journey you're thinking about people that have got um, the ability to tell stories and, yeah. and really convey um, what they've learned, what God's doing, um, bring that back and, and present it well to the, to the whole church. So it's probably worth stating here that, you know, let's just take a, a little step back. Talk about Bright Hope World and, and our short-term mission trips. And we don't really do short-term mission trips. You know, what we're doing is we're taking people that are already pretty well engaged with Bright Word. It might be long-term donors. It might be church leaders or, you know, key church people. And and we're looking for uh, very specific types of people. We are looking for influencers. We're we're looking at people who can come and visit partners on behalf of a group to, uh, to, to learn and to see and to take that back to the group. That's, that's really important. People who can make decisions, and um, enact mission within their groups. That, that's really important. But we're also really looking for the storytellers, the videographers, the photographers, the the communicators, the people who can represent uh, our partners and the people that we connect with to a wider group who can tell their stories and people go, wow, we want to commit to this. We want to uh, engage with that. And then every now and again, we might take some people with very specific skills that are needed at the far end. It might be doctors or, or you know, it might be carpenters or, or something like that in very specific contexts, although that, that, that's pretty rare. So that's kind of, um, that, that's sort of how we do um, Mission Trip. Um, and, you know, and one of the things that we do in preparation, and the preparation tends to be fairly intensive, mm. um, is, is we talk about what you're there to do and what you are not there to do. Now, I know what I say to people when I take them. But do tell. Well, I mean, I, I, I say to people that, you know, and, and particularly I'm often taking um, business people and I'm often taking church leaders and I'm, you know, probably two out of three will be male. And if there's one thing that male leaders do is problem solve and evaluate. And that's the very last thing you are there in the mission field to do. It, in fact, the very first mission trip I ever took with Bright Hope World was with a group of people from another country that shall remain nameless. 
And I gave them a very strong briefing and said, look, we're going to visit a ministry. You're there to learn. You're there to ask questions, pray, encourage. You are not there to evaluate. You are not there to suggest strategy or, oh, why don't you guys just, and we got we got them in there, and that's exactly what they did. And they told the partner, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. You should be doing this. And why aren't you doing this? And if you keep doing the, the, quote unquote, if you keep doing what you're doing, you'll be done in 18 months. And it was horrifying. It was a terrible mm. first experience. Now that is, that that doesn't happen anymore. I, I've learned how to, to, to head that off at the past. But, you know, this is this is the kind of stuff you've got to be really careful of, that we don't go and do that, because that can so seriously undermine uh, a ministry. And it's, it is unspeakably arrogant to think after 10 minutes that we have the first clue about that context. So that that's kind of, you know, that's how I approach it. What do you say? Yeah. I mean, how do you go and behave in a, on a short-term mission trip? Wow. Well, I mean, if we're being that blunt and direct, which I oh, think... Oh, we're, we're there. We, we're so there, aren't we? Um, we, we need to be, because this actually is genuinely a problem. I think we actually have to be really honest and say any short-term mission trip that goes is not really about the people we're going to. How really, in most cases, can we do something significant and of lasting impact in two weeks? It's not often no. that that, so, that so can happen. So what We what need to be upfront about it. What, we need to be realistic about yeah. that. And we need to see short-term mission for what it is. And, and I think most of the time what it is, is an opportunity for us to see the world with completely different eyes yeah to be shaken to the core and to realize that we are not living the way we should and is part of that shutting up and listening oh so is it's something i'm still working on fraser but it, it is it's about i mean i talk to our students about having the stance of a learner if you can't go with the stance of a learner don't go because that's what you're there to do you're you're there to learn there's no way as you said you can walk into a context you don't fully appreciate in a culture you are not part of and have the first clue about what is best. Well, dare I say people. it, and, and I, might be, I might be pushing a little hard oh, here, go, but I'm going to say it, it anyway, because why not? The fact is, not only do you not know, um, you know about that local culture, but the, the partners, at least the Bright Hope World connects with, and it'll often be the case for churches that, you know, that are not working with us. You're going to connect with people that are typically doing phenomenal, self-sacrificial, strategic, smart things in their local community to impact them with the gospel or to help them lift out of poverty. The fact is, in most instances, these people are going to be so far better at doing what they're doing, at doing mission, at doing outreach, at doing evangelism, at doing you know, community engagement and poverty alleviation. You have nothing to teach them. You know, in, in most cases, now there might be some, we're, we're pretty good in the West at organization and strategy and all that sort of thing, but these people are just there doing it day in, day out. And, you know, I, I think we do need to go and say, what do I learn from these people? Because they are so often the global experts. And, and I might actually pick up a few things I could take back home. Yeah, and I mean, I think you're so right. Um, <laughs> when we look at where the church is thriving and growing in the world, it's not in the West. We do not have a corner on the gospel. We are not leading the charge. 
and yet we still are because we're the ones with the resources and the power and the influence and I mean if we if we're really passionate about the gospel and and about Jesus then we need to be humbling ourselves and we need to be coming alongside these guys and we need to be learning about what they're doing we need to be supporting them and encouraging them and sometimes resourcing them but getting out of their way (laughs) they don't need us coming to tell them how it should be done i I have a rhetorical question which i'm gonna ask anyway if if the really and and this is true in my view if the the really strategic uh clever mission stuff is being done in these places and the church is growing in these places why are all the books coming out of the west (laughs) such a good question i think it has something to do with um where the publishing houses are and um, who they Maybe fund. That's it. Yeah. Maybe we need to start a ministry to fund these it's, these people to write some of their good, stories. I, I'm really good. I'm not even kidding. I, I think that would be that would be great. Uh, well, Emir, I'm I'm conscious of of time. Um, any final thoughts? I mean, you know, we've we've been sort of all over the map on short term mission trips here, and we've we've acknowledged there's a real place for them. We've we've given our view on some of the important. Um, you know characteristics of them but let's let's wrap it all up give me just a couple of things you'd really want to say if you if you had all the the church leaders in a room and you, you're giving a presentation on short-term mission trips you're wrapping it up what do people really need to take away from this well okay so no pressure None um, at all. <laughs> so short-term mission if it's done well is part of a long-term relationship a, a genuine connection with people that is based on their invitation the initiative stays with the people that you're serving and you're genuinely serving them by learning from them encouraging them by standing with them in solidarity rather than trying to solve their problems and if you take people you're going to be really intentional about choosing those people training those people journeying with those people debriefing those people you know seeing that as plugging them back in yeah part of this journey that doesn't stop at the end of this trip but that that, that's part of stirring up conversations that carry on about discipleship about what it means to follow jesus but also about what it means to live in a world where um things are not fair where there's massive injustice and um making people want to know more about that and understand how they can live their lives differently day to day here and wherever else they end up yeah we want those people to be catalysts yeah in their communities to take other people on that journey as well um so it's like what george michael once famously said if you're going to do it do it right do it right yeah yeah absolutely all right well there you have it everything you could possibly want to know about short-term mission trips uh, or at least what you can encompass in about a 50-minute podcast. Yeah, let's, uh, let's be realistic. That's right. I would strongly encourage you to read the books that we've mentioned there. Um, you'll find them on, on Google. We may, uh, if I if I get around to uh, doing that, we may put them um, in the uh, text related to this podcast. It's When Helping Hurts uh, is, is one. Uh, there's not many books called that. It's by Brian Fickett and Another Chap. And if that other chap is listening, I apologise. And Toxic Charity uh, also has an author, and I can't think of who that uh, person's name is. And then the third book, Emma, was called? The Next Mile. The Next Mile. And that's and by I, I, yeah, another that's person. Yeah, that's terrible. Another person. 
A great, that, that's great ha- pe- people. That's how prepared we are. Um, <laughs> so yeah, do encourage you to read those books. If you would like to get in touch with us, if we've poked a nerve or um, you've got some questions about any of the stuff that we've been talking uh, to today, do drop us a line, podcast at brighthopeworld.com. We do have plenty of resources and explore some of these topics uh, in more depth at our website, brighthopeworld.com. And uh, if you'd like to engage us in a bit of dialogue, a bit of, you know, respectful dialogue uh, on the subject, then you can find us facebook.com forward slash Bright Hope World. And uh, we love to talk about this stuff. But for now, uh, we'll bring it to a close. Thank you so much, Emma, for being with us. I'm sure that everyone listening is just delighted and refreshed to hear a feminine voice after the, the deep baritones of Kevin and I. Oh, well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Always good to have a woman's voice, Fraser. And we, it, it is, it and is. we shall do it again. <laughs> uh, but for now, you have been listening to It Ain't That Simple, Mate, the Bright Hope World podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye.